Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. This is Mayor. Hello. Okay, just a moment. Hello. Yes, we're waiting for you. I'm here. Okay. Hi, well, this Taz. is Mayor. Hi, Mayor. Taz is with us, too. Paula. Well, Taz, we have a dear friend with us again today. Uh, he's such a good friend and such a good teacher. Everyone loves him. We call him the Midas Touch, and by simply sharing with others, Mir Schneider self-healing technique charges begin to happen within a short period of time. He is literally a walking billboard, blind from birth and cataracts and other serious vision problems, and now he has a driver's license. Can you believe that? (laughs) You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Meir Schneider is a living legend. Yes, he is. At age 17, he learned the Bates method of eye exercises, and he began to practice with a diligence that probably no one has ever applied to them before. And his success became quite apparent, and Meir began to help others with a wide range of degenerative conditions as well, as he simply found that the same principles which enabled him to gain functional eyesight could be applied to the entire body. Mm. From all that we've seen, it certainly appears that Muir is on top of how to reconnect tissues regarding eyesight at any age. He says, you do not have to deteriorate with age and use. Your body is renewable. And from all indications, Muir's method seems to overturn the unconscious expectations that program how we think, move, breathe, and see. By teaching us new ways to move, live, and to experience life, Mir is, Mir is always uh, telling us new things every time we have him on the show. Welcome, Mir. We love you, and we love having you on our Hi, show. Hi, nice to be on your show. And um, I have many yeah. things to tell you. One thing I want to also t- announce is I'm going to be in the 
your neck of the woods. I'm going to be in Capitola uh, and give a lecture in the Capitola bookshop and cafe. Uh, that's going to be next week on Thursday. Yeah. For everyone that hasn't heard Amir speak, be sure to go down to Capitola and see him. It's just a, a great experience. You've been traveling. I've looked on your your website. You've been to Portugal and and all kinds of places, and you're going to be leaving again to go overseas. Wow. I'm going to go to England and Israel. But uh, <clears throat> I'm also happy that my new book, Vision for Life, is being translated. It already is in Portuguese, but it's going to be in Spanish, the Czech language, um, German, Hebrew. It's interesting. The the publisher who published it in Hebrew is called Focus, but they meant cameras, but it really works well with vision. And the book is Vision for Life. And it's going to be translated finally to Chinese. So I'm going to have a whole uh, trip uh, to Taiwan. But before that, I'm going to give a group. Uh, I'm going to give a six-day workshop in Medicine Buddha um, in uh, the Santa Cruz Mountains uh, at the end of November. And the last six-day workshop we had here, out of 24 people, 21 people, so way better. So um, we had a lot of um, good results. And finally, I think that uh, I mean it, it took so much to ask from the medical profession to come and, and test us, and they just don't want to do it. Finally, I found somebody in the Weizmann Institute in Israel, which is like Ivy League Institute, who will come and research me. So I think a year from now, we will start to have research in this work, because let me explain to you what's going on. Uh, people lose a lot of vision these days. In the last 10 years, people see much worse than they saw the 100 years before that. And in the last four years, they see worse than the six years before that. It's just accelerating. It used to be that um, um, 2% of the kids in American schools were nearsighted. In the time of Bates, it grew to 6%, and he saw a great need to help them to not need glasses. Now about 55% of the kids in schools are wearing glasses and are seeing poorly. And there is no answer from the medical profession. In fact, the medical profession doesn't understand that you can do things to make the eyes better. They don't have physiotherapy for the eyes. And that is something that we really need to develop because what's happening now is disastrous. I mean, there are more and more problems. They're visiting me all the time, people coming to me from all four corners of the world. Like just today I have... Uh, an intensive with a wonderful lady who came to me from Austria uh, who is very wealthy, could basically buy any potential treatment she has and lost vision from 80% to basically 5% vision. We're working and we're starting to improve her vision. And um, uh, we had, I have a person who came to me from Walnut Creek losing his optic nerve. What I'm saying is what's happening now in the vision care, as well as most of what happens in the body care, but if I will emphasize vision, what happens now in the vision care is completely unsustainable, and if it continues this way, more and more people are going to lose their vision for different causes and for different reasons. And for that reason, I think my work is so important. It's very important for people to work well. For example, um, I think we send you a nice written thanks from 
Aurora Machada. I don't know if you received that, uh, where she came to me all the way from Portugal because she lost most of her vision. And um, uh, she was about to become blind. And to prevent her blindness, she came here. And she had written in our, uh, she blogged in our in our uh, website. And she wrote how great she feels now that she can paint again and work again with her eyes. And I basically, the main thing I've done, I was helping her to stop the progression of deterioration in her vision. Now, she came all the way from Portugal, a woman with no means to work with me. And I have many, many other stories like this. But what I want to say is that we really, really need to start and have a whole new look at the eyes and see that many things can be done to improve your vision and prevent your eyes from deteriorating. Do you think it's all the computer use that's causing some of this? Yeah, it started with literacy because when people were illiterate, they looked at the distance much more. And in the past, we used to call our home our shelter because we basically sheltered ourselves from great heat and great cold. And we basically spent most of the time outside as humanity. I mean, our landscape was nature. And uh, what happens right now is that uh, our houses, our, our dwelling, just look at the prices of houses, People stay in them all the time. You see the same room all the time. Reading causes a lot of problems. And so looking from near causes a lot of problems with the lens, and it creates um, a situation where the vitreous um, gel starts to fill in big time within the eyes. And then um, looking at the, looking at the uh, at distance is something that, People do very occasionally. Uh, people who, for example, uh, look for bird counting or go to nature to see things in nature um, see much better. And by the way, they found that kids that have more breaks that they do outside the building of the school and not keep the breaks within the building um, are slower to get nearsightedness. And so we basically are not looking far enough as humanity at this point. And when the computer came into existence, you know, the problem with the computer is you don't care whether your eyes are tired or not. You have a document to finish, and then there's all kinds of problems often that happens with the computer. Sometimes it comes, sometimes it goes. And those documents that need to be finished um, are... Uh, are basically a, a, a big problem. I mean, we intellectually are so engaged in what we need to see that we really forget our eyes. And again, looking from near creates contraction in the muscles of the lens. They're called the ciliary muscles. The lens becomes convex. There, there is a great elongation of the eye and a strain in the eye. Now, it's a good thing if you do it for a short time, like a couple hours a day, half an hour at a time, but it is a bad thing if you do it all day, and everybody does it all day. I mean, you look at a computer at work, and then you go home to do computer games at home. So basically, I would say the answer is absolutely yes. And also, when you look at letters, uh, you know, letters have margin in the outside, and they're clear, and, and pixels are clear in the inside and are fuzzier in the outside, so it's harder for the eyes to really follow them. And it leads to an unfelt strain, which is the worst strain you could have, the one you don't feel and you do anyway. 
So the answer is absolutely yes, Paula. Computers have a lot to do with poor vision. And I'm not telling people to stop using computers. It's not the thing that one can do these days with very few exceptions. What I'm telling people is look at a distance. Look at a distance for 10 minutes before you use the computer. Even wave your hands to the side so you'd have a sense of your periphery. But look at a distance. Do it 8 to 10 minutes twice a day. And whenever you use the computer, every half an hour, just rest by looking at a distance or increasing your peripheral vision, which we can talk about. And that will help you to survive our times. Because there was no time where people just had it good and everything was great. There were always problems. The jungle, when we were in the jungle, we were very vulnerable. And we had a lot of problems being in the jungle. It's not that people in the past live better than people these days. There were always problems in life. But um, they had other problems than the ones that we have. They didn't have the vision problems that we have these days. They may have infections that these days we can cure, but they did not have all the degenerative eye diseases that exist these days. This is, it, 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 it is totally out of control, and that's why I've written my book, vision for life and that's why i'm going to talk about steps for natural vision improvement at the capitola cafe because i book and, uh, and cafe shop because i hope that more and more people will come there well mayor you know it's really interesting um paula just recently came back <clears throat> from a vacation and she told me she had walked some miles on a beach <laughs> and she said she was okay. really exhausted after that and i know I know that, but the school that you have in San Francisco is by the beach, and you use the beach to really support people in making changes in their bodies. So, um, you know, you want to talk a little you know, bit about it's interesting. that. I think once a year I run 20 miles. It's from um, the Cliff House to Muscle Walk, which is the border of Daly City and Pacifica. So I run basically from the north of San Francisco to the south part of Daly City. And it's uh, 10 miles each way, so it's round trip, it's 20 miles. I don't do it very fast, but I run. And I normally do it before I have a lot of engagement. Like now I was in Portland and uh, Washington states, and I gave a bunch of lectures and workshops, and and uh, that really energized me. There's something about the ocean. I mean, you wouldn't be able to pay me to run on cement. Uh, there is something about the ocean that is so wonderful. The, the negative ions, uh, the fresh air, and the waves, and the, uh, the ways we can look at a distance, which is wonderful. So when people come to us for long classes, we spend a lot of time looking at the waves. And as we look at the waves, we see the waves, we, 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 we stretch the lens and we see uh, much better. The eyes are really relaxed. I also use the ocean for walking practices. It all depends, of course, in the in the case and the in the strength of a person and their tendency to fatigue. But quite often, I saw myself wheeling people in the wheelchair to the sand and getting them to crawl on the sand, which was the first step uh, before standing on the feet and walking. So um, I think it's it's such an important thing for us to be by the beach and I'm very grateful that the city of San Francisco gave us 
a special permit to come and be here. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, you're in a perfect spot. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, I have to say, I I don't do the exercises for the eyes as often as I should, but just a little bit that I've done, I there's people 20 years younger than me, and we go to a restaurant, and I'm reading off the menu without glasses, and they all say to me, do you have contacts? I said, no. I can't believe that you can read the menu. <laughs> you so know, and like, I know somebody who's 70 years of age went to the doctor, and and she's, the doctor said, you have to have glasses. She said, I read all the letters without glasses, so why do I need glasses? And instead of the doctor being happy, he was upset. You know, <laughs> She doesn't wear glasses because she doesn't need them. And I, I think it is the concept. But, you know, Paula, what's great about you, I remember that when we had this big um, uh, fight with the neighbors to have our place here, that you felt um, metaphysically that we would win. And you were right. We did win. And I, I kind of have a feeling that you have a very special energy. And you understood something in your life that... The more you wear glasses, the more you depend on them. And so you wear them when you need them, and you don't wear them when you don't need them. And people taught other people to to depend on the glasses, and they made a big mistake, basically. Yeah, and it, your eyes become lazy if you wear the glasses. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And you know, we're in such a comfort time these days. If somebody has a hard time walking... Quite often they'll give them a cane a bit too early. I reluctantly, when some when it needs to be done, when people deteriorate, I suggest for them to walk with a cane. I'm sometimes happy that their canes and their wheelchairs, some people would not be able to be mobile without them. But I think that for the sake of comfort, people get canes too early, get crutches too early, and eventually they depend on them too much to the point that they uh, weaken their muscles. So my work is uh, very much in the cutting edge when I'm saying do what you can for yourself. Use nature's power. Nature is so powerful. Let's use nature power all we can to move ahead of where we were. Don't freeze in place. I think it's it's a very important thing. It's important for the eyes. And if you look at my book, I have seven principles that guide you to work on yourself, which are deep relaxation, adjustment to light frequencies, looking at smaller details, and you tend to see without straining to see them in order to wake up the macula of the eyes, um, looking at the distance, paying attention to peripheral vision, balancing the use of the eyes and creating better connection between the body and the eyes. And I think those things are very, very important. And on them, we build 10 steps of doing different exercises to create good natural vision improvement. Can you give us an example of, for instance, you used to do the exercises for yourself, and then you noticed that those exercises were transferable to other um, muscular dysfunction type of things. What, What made you see that connection there? What enabled you to... Between the eyes and the body? Oh, big time. Is yeah. that your question? Okay. Um, yeah. I'll explain to you. When my teacher was teaching me to work on my eyes, she also taught me 
to strengthen my body so my neck will be loose and more blood will come to my eyes. But there's another thing that I want to tell you which is very, very interesting. If I will take a sidebar here. Um, I paid attention that when I walk, I don't have to look at my feet. I just walk with my legs. But when I tell people to correct their walk, they always have to look at how they walk rather than feel. Uh, I can carry patients upstairs, downstairs, to the wheelchair, to the pool, and I don't see what's underneath me, but I feel what's underneath me. And I learn that most people are so visual that they focus on vision. The vision feels for them and the vision hears for them. Many people can't understand what you say unless you, unless they look at your lips. And I really think that people over concentrate on their visual sense and there's a lot of suffering as a result of it because they don't distribute the sensory input to all the different senses that we have and that distribution could really alleviate the pressure that we have on our vision also people concentrate very much um, visually on the central vision and they completely forget there is peripheral vision. And then they basically look with one eye instead of looking with both. And again, the issue is balance. So now, returning to me, my teacher taught me to work on my body in order to help my eyes. And I took that to heart, and I took it uh, as a very valuable tool. So I worked on my body. I went to the sea, to the Mediterranean Sea. I uh, did a special work on my calves by lifting my um, toes up and down, keeping the heels on the ground, and standing with the waves to hit my legs. It really strengthened me. In the meantime, I did eye exercise. Like One of the principles is adjustment to light, so I did sunning. So I combined between sunning and working on my legs, and it really made a difference. And now my teacher also taught me that I must work on the rest of the body, that we have 600 muscles, and most people use only 50 out of them, so I learned to use more and more of the muscles that I have. And these days you can see that most of the reasons of why people get blind is poor blood flow to the retina. That basically um, uh, the stiffness of the neck and the tension of the body doesn't let, uh, doesn't let the blood flow enough to the optic nerve and to the retina. And so we need to find a way to um, to change that and I've learned that from a very young age, from the age of 17. If we find a way to change it, if we find a way to loosen up all of our joints, to use muscles we never used before, we can then get much more blood flowing to the eyes and we will prevent most blindnesses of today. Because if you pay attention, the biggest invention of medicine are injections that block uh, formation of blood, blood vessels which are being formed in compensation for the fact that there isn't enough blood to the retina. So the body forms those capillaries. They're not perfect, so they leak, and that leakage floods the photoreceptors. So doctors have Avastin and Lucenta and all kinds of injections that they give to people's eyes. And you don't need all of that if you learn to relax your eyes. And if you learn to get much more blood flowing to the head. Do you think breathing exercises would would help that? I mean, like 
yoga and breathing exercise. Yes. Definitely. Any exercise that balances the body. Now, to add something to you, Taz, I mean, anyone who looks at the pictures of my eyes can see that 99% of my lens is scar tissue. And any physician would say that there's no way for me to see. And um, I learned to see with less than 1% of my lens. And when I started, my vision was 1% of normal vision, and today it's 70% of normal vision. 70 versus 1%. Can you imagine? And That's amazing. I'm, I'm only I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I started to believe strongly in people's potential to improve. So now that I have, for example, a patient who came to me from Germany who can't hardly walk, who shakes all the time, and I think her um, cerebellum is compromised. She must have some sort of ataxia, wasn't well diagnosed. We're working on exercises that work for her, how to replace the unsmooth movement that she has, the imbalance that she has, to smooth movement and to balance, how to do it better. And she was an athlete and a horse rider, and she lost all that. And that's what we're working on, how to get it all back. And it's a hard work. She came all the way from Germany with her husband, so we'll do that. So it's it's very hard work that we're doing together right now on that. That's It's a very interesting thing. Have you ever worked with anyone with MS? Oh, many. Many, more than 300 people so far. The best case I had lately was somebody who had a combination of multiple sclerosis and osteoporosis. And she broke her bone several times and has a pretty bad posture, like uh, stooped a lot. And she fell and she couldn't get up, and her daughter wanted to put her in a, a special assistance house she has a beautiful house in Marine. So I'm driving to her every Sunday when I'm in town, and we're working. And I was able to put her in her pool and get her to um, exercise in the pool. And I was able, within a few sessions, to get her to uh, get up from the floor and to walk up the stairs in the house. And so um, we're working the last two and a half years, and there's no question that she's not moving to a living assistant home. That's a big thing. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. <laughs> yes. There's this the two, so I'm, too bad I'm there's not more of you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was going to say Yeah, I mean, should, to take you out uh, of your home is the, one of the worst things anyone could do to you. Yes, yes. So uh, we l- would like to multiply you so you, that you could be all over helping people. <laughs> Thanks. For that, we have training courses, and I'll have one in um, uh, August 10th to August 29th. We have part one training, and people can take it either as a big workshop for themselves. It's 10 hours a day every day, but we'll do four days, a day off, four days, two days off, another four days, a day off, and another four days. And it's just a wonderful um, a way for people to work on themselves and to know themselves better, to learn all the movements that exist for them, but then those who are interested can also learn how to work on others. And that's so the that's beginning of the training. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's going to be in Santa Cruz Mountain. Oh, San Francisco. Oh. Uh, Santa Cruz Mountain is going to oh. be on November 20, 22nd, 
it's going to be for Chinese-speaking population, although I speak English, but I'll be translated to Chinese, that will come from all over the world, basically from Singapore, Taiwan, and Malaysia, as well as from different places in this country. And uh, we'll have probably 65 to 70 people who will come, and we'll train them to see better over six days. It's going to be exciting. And yes. uh, my book is going to be in Chinese next year, so it's going to be exciting to promote it in, um, uh, abroad, especially going to be in Taiwan. You want to tell people a little bit of what's in your book? and uh, We know there's exercises. Yeah. and but First of all, in my book, there's a good introduction and preface. It talks about why we need to work on ourselves, which is a, a, a very big, big thing. Now, the other thing you have in my book is the explanation of why this work works. We're talking about the principles and the ten steps one should take. But number one is we talk about how to use the computer without eye strain. And I already have given you a few hints, and I've given more hints in the book, which I will elaborate in a minute. Then we talk about how to overcome nearsightedness, farsightedness, uh, stigmatism. Uh, and, and I'm very proud of you, uh, Paula. I'm not asking any woman past the age of 18 what how old she is. Uh, but uh, I assume that you are in an age where everybody would expect you to wear glasses. Yes. And you don't. You, exactly. No. So, so the point is, um, uh, in, in that book, I'm talking about how to be in Paula's shape, so to speak, and how to improve one's vision. Then we talk about what you do if you had a cataract surgery. All the doctors do is send you home. And you come back and they'll observe if anything is wrong with you. They don't do what needs to be done for you. And what needs to be done for you is much more than that. What needs to be done for you is exercises to relax your eyes, to improve your eyes. There's no rehabilitation. If your leg broke, many times orthopedists after their treatment will send you to physical therapy. And sometimes they send you to physical therapy to prevent orthopedic treatment. But uh, they don't do it with the eyes. And there's so much that can be done for the eyes after cataract surgery. And we talk about glaucoma and how to prevent it. Because glaucoma is not what the doctor says. They always say it's a pressure in the eye, but that's one leg of the whole thing. In glaucoma, there's lack of blood flow to the optic nerve that leads to death of the optic nerve. And lack of blood flow to the head. And there is imbalanced use of the eyes. And then there is pressure in the eyes. And to tell you how much the neck connects to the eyes, English gentlemen are known to have uh, high eye pressure, and they're saying it's because they wear neckties to a great extent, so it really restricts the blood flow. And the best story I can tell you is my own daughter. She was born with cataracts like myself, and she had surgeries in a young age, and her vision was really good, and... Um, uh, I remember that when there was a divorce between me and my ex, unfortunately, or I should say between my ex and myself, at a certain point when she saw that I'm accepting it because I was heartbroken when it happened, her vision uh, was still good, but she started to have elevated eye pressure. So immediately the doctor wanted to give her drops. And I worked on her neck and worked on her middle back, and neck got looser, and she dropped her pressure. I was able to hold her that way for about uh, three years, 
But then um, her teacher in the class made her the fool of the class. And immediately it caused her an increased eye pressure. It was just unbelievable. And uh, the pressure went so much up that it went up to 36 diopters, 36 points of pressure. To give you a sense, 10 to 20 is considered to be normal, and 20 and up considered to be dangerous, unless you have what's called low-tension glaucoma. That's all different. But she had 36. Well, I succumbed to the idea that I have to agree with drops, so she got drops. And at first it went down, and then it went back up. And one day she, without telling anyone, stopped taking them. And then a year later, uh, when she finished high school, uh, she um, she played in a main role in um, The Sound of Music. And I had to close her door when she was yodeling all the time because she was the main character <laughs> there. And she got two singing lessons a week. And it's interesting that then we measured her pressure, and it went down from 36 to 23. 13 points down without one little drop. And that was from singing. The singing have taken away the pressure that was on her, the mental anguish and stress that was on her, and she was free. And I think it's a big deal. And I think that uh, that's one of the things I've written in my book. You know, when did you have the physician telling you to pray before he measures your vision, to dance, to sing? When did an optometrist massage you before you measured your eyes? I mean, everything is so stressful, and it's like an industry there. And we really learn to take care of ourselves in as much as we can. And so then in that book, after talking about how you work with glaucoma, loosening the eyes, creating balance between the eyes, we uh, talk about how to overcome macular degeneration, macular puckers. There are diff- different, definitely we create macular degeneration by stopping having any interest in details because the room looks the same. You don't read the, pre- read the print uh, as choreography. I mean, if you look at choreography, you may be interested in the print, but you read it for content. So what happens to a great extent um your vision gets uh, quite um, compromised by the very fact that um, you just pay attention to content and not to print, basically. So that is the the main thing that um, I would like to say about it, that we, um, we basically learn to not look at details. And if we would learn to look at details, we would never compromise the precious macula because it's only 1.5% of the total retina. And then uh, in that book, I also talk about what happens if you are legally blind. Nothing can improve your vision, how to connect between your body and your eyes. And I've done all that over four years. I put in 40 years' experience. I've done all that in a short book. And it's amazing. When people come to me to a lecture, it's such a demonstrative lecture, you know, uh, we learned that the picture is as good as <clears throat> a thousand words. I think demonstration is good as 10,000 pictures. People come to my lectures and always leave seeing better. It's not permanent because it was only in one occasion, just like if you go to a stretching class, you're not going to leave flexible forever. 
but people do see better, which is against the medical dogma of what can be done. And then they come and they work with me, and then they see better forever. So basically I would say that um, those lectures are very exciting because they're learning things that they could never learn from from the medical profession. What about people that have high uh, blood pressure or low blood pressure? Is it the, is it the same thing, a circulatory um, uh, low blood pressure is not as dangerous as high blood pressure, but both have problems. Well, people have high blood pressure for a few reasons. One is everybody talks about the overconsumption of uh, the bad cholesterol that many people eat. And there's no question that most of us are overeating. There's uh, just no question about that. Uh, so that's the one thing. But then the other thing that uh, causes us tremendous amount of problems, in my opinion, is the fact that um, we uh, have tense neck, shoulders, chest, and hips. When you have tense chest, it's hard for the heart to push the blood up and down. When you have tense shoulders, it's hard to get the blood to your hands. And so many people have cold hands. When you have tense neck, it's hard to get the blood to the head. And when you have tense hips, it's hard to get the blood to your feet. And I will never forget that I used to have very cold feet. That's in spite of running and doing other things. I remember one reflexologist kept working on my foot, and there was a little scab that never healed. Until one time I lay down, lay down and moved my legs back and forth and uh, for about a thousand times. And my feet warmed up, and, and the scab healed in, almost within a day. And ever since then, I'm talking about my early 20s until now, I'm nearly 60, I'm almost 59, my feet are always warm. So, it, uh, I mean, it depends when. When I run on the, beach, on, on the beach, they're not that warm. They're just to the temperature. But I never have cold feet. And that's because of looser hip joints. So what happens is, High blood pressure is a result of uh, muscular tension that leads to arterial resistance because the muscles are basically choking the arteries. And if we learn to loosen that up, we can have lower blood pressure, no problem. Low blood pressure is a whole different question. Not enough blood uh, flows as fast as possible. I really recommend people with low blood pressure, especially in a hot day, to take a bunch of cold showers. And I uh, also recommend to have some good physical activities. But cold shower is one of the best ways to increase a bit the blood pressure. Well, you, you're really uh, letting our listening audience hear a, a lot today. I mean, this is a good information. Thanks. Now, how, what kind of exercises would you do to loosen your hips? Well, a few are very easy, very simple. This is something that anyone could do, uh, no matter when, in, well, I shouldn't say no matter what shape you are, but most people can do it. And this is belly dancing. If you stand and you move the hips in rotating motion, and then you lean on one leg and you move the hip in rotating motion, that leg, and lean on the other leg and move the hip in rotating motion, the other leg, then um, that movement is um, is wonderful for you. Now, another thing is 
I pay attention to work on a muscular dystrophy patient of mine out of stress of walking. She has a very stiff hip. So uh, bringing, lying on your back and bringing your knee to your chest, then holding underneath the thigh and kicking the leg upward, lying on your side in a position I call a philosopher position, putting an elbow on the table, holding with one hand your upper leg, the upper hand holds the upper leg, the lower hand holds the head, and you bring the leg backwards. That's very, very helpful for the hips. So again, hip rotations, both, then you stand on one. And then the most important thing, to walk backwards, walk sideways. Not only kick forwards, but also kick backwards, kick sideways. That really loosens up the hips. I noticed, uh, I watched Dancing with the Stars, and I, I noticed that the older people have the least hip action. <laughs> so like, the older you get, the more you have to work on that, I think. You do, and the reason is we're so sedentary. You know, in the past, people used to sit on occasions or for a reason, and today, first of all, they sit, and then do, they do other things. I can tell that I'm not happy to fly to England and then to Israel. I'm not happy with the with the plane. I'm really happy to get there, but to fly there is a whole different story. So for that reason, I think it's very, very important to loosen up the hips all you can. I know the, and my recent uh, vacation, my feet swelled when I was, you know, on the plane for several hours. So, so remember, so I tried to always when you go on a plane, to, to take two tennis balls with you, so you can lean with the tennis balls against your back, not the vertebrae, but against the back, and always sit in an aisle, so you can excuse yourself and go to the bathroom more often than you need to. And I found out that whenever I go on a very long flight, in the middle of it I will stand up and do a lot of movements. And um, uh, when everybody goes to sleep, and I spend a good half hour, 45 minutes doing it, so when I go back and sit down, I'm really relaxed and I fall asleep. I was just thinking, I was looking at your website, and I I want to let people know that in in the uh, store uh, connection, you have CDs, and this is so nice because if people need to see the way you do exercises and that kind of thing, you've you've actually put it on a CD. And people CDs and, to, and know, videos, and, yeah, definitely. And also yeah, and yeah, also yeah. Vo- uh, voice CDs and. Um, on the 22nd of June, we're going to have a vision improvement class in San Francisco. And on the 24th, we'll have a class on overcoming back problems. The vision class is going to be a paid class from um, 10 to 5.30, but the uh, the um, class on overcoming joint and back problems is going to be a short class uh, on Monday evening, June 24th, and that's going to be for free. Now, have you gotten any feedback from people that um, have used your book without even meeting you in person, and they've just... um... I sure did. People told me that they see better. Uh, Some people wanted to know how all kinds of things about the book. People told me that they see better. Some people made appointments with me. People were very impressed with the book, 
and I'm very happy about that. And I always can think about how you could do it better, how you could write it better, but I was very happy about that. So, um, well, people yeah. people actually can uh, order your book from your website. Absolutely. I mean, they can go on Amazon.com. From my website, but, uh, from Amazon, from my website, from from uh, bookstores like Capitola Bookstore, like East West Bookstore in Mountain View, and maybe you can demand it, demand your bookstore to have it. I know there was one copy in in a, a bookstore Santa Cruz. I would like to see more of those. Let's put it this way. There is there well, should be a uh, demand for this book. Uh, let's uh, tell people uh, listening to our show today that your uh, website is self-healing.org. So uh, they can look at look up your calendar and see when you're going to be uh, giving training and when you're going to be uh, at bookstores talking. They can buy your book and other things from your website. So that's self-healing.org. Mm-hmm. And uh, his book, you know, the, the latest book is called Vision for Life, and it's 10 Steps to Natural Eyesight Improvement. And, uh, it, you know, you really are able to alter the eyesight. It is so exciting. And, you know, Mayor, you have, you are the leading edge here. <laughs> I tell you something Throughout the world, as far as I'm concerned. Important. I tell you something as important. You know, um, there are 900 behavioral optometrists in this country in that they believe that you can do things to make your vision worse or better. But in general, the medical profession does not believe that you can do anything to make your vision worse or better. And actually, you can. And we need to be aware of what we do that can spoil our vision, and we need to be aware of what we can do that can increase our vision. And if we do that, we can make a big difference. For example, now in Portland, I went and I met with a wonderful guy by the name of Manny, who met me several years ago in San Francisco, and he first worked on his eye diligently, and then he stopped. But he had seven diopters correction that went down to three, from seven to three, and he kept it at three uh, for the last five years. So it was a very nice thing to see. I met a lady who had a posterior cataract, and her posterior cataract, she went to see a physician before seeing me in Portland, remain exactly the same as it was seven years ago when she met me for a series of treatments. And so she doesn't need a surgery, and the doctor said, I don't know what you're doing, I don't even care what you're doing, but keep doing it because it's great. Because it was a small spot (laughs) that you haven't seen in many cases have not increased. So there's so much that you can do, and there is nothing being given to you as an alternative. So not only get my book uh, for yourself, for your friends, but also open support groups. Meet your neighbors and stand and sit down and work on chapters of my book. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Wow, that sounds great. Uh, also, you know, just I need to remind people also, May 16th, would, I don't know what date that is. I don't know. It's Thursday, actually. Huh? It's Thursday um, next there's week. There's a free lecture. Uh-huh. 
a free lecture at Capitola Book Cafe, 7.30 to 9 p.m., and it's a free lecture, you guys. You just need to take off and, um, you know, be with me or and experience it because I, within minutes, you know, you have some real awesome techniques that you can really allow people to see that there's that there can be a change, and that's exciting to be able to see that change in such a short period of time, you know. I know. Hardly anyone leaves my classes without seeing better and without being more optimistic about their visual future. So I think it is worth your while. I mean, some of you would continue with our programs, and some of you will take this uh, home and work with it, and also you can pick up my book there and have good exposure to the book and what it does. And when we're going to continue after that, um, John, uh, who is a student of mine, is going to teach classes on June 1st, 8th, and 15th in Aptos. And uh, it's going to be from 11 to 1.30, each one of her classes, on Saturday mornings. So uh, I'm going to give a lecture, and then one of my students, who is a practitioner, will teach you classes on how to loosen up your neck. We call it the neck gateway for better vision. Loosen up your neck and improve your vision. How to use the computer without eye strain. How to uh, relax your whole back. And the whole connection between the whole body and the eyes. I think it is such an important thing that we should really learn to do. Look at the alternative. Look what's going on. People lose their vision, but let's talk about the rest of the body. Do you know, Paula, that more people die from all anti-arthritic medications than they do from all illegal drugs put together. We have 400,000 people every single year dying from medical treatment. It, it is... Uh, we, we put... For everything. Arthritis, we have only about 75,000 people dying. Every year. Every year. Wow. This is completely ridiculous. You've got to find a way to loosen up the joints, if you already have lost mobility in one joint, loosen up all the joints around it, decrease the pain naturally, and you're going to find that either you take very few pills to feel okay or you don't have to take pills to feel okay. But what happens is they give you one pill after another, and it looks like magic for a few months, and then it doesn't work, but it keeps you all the side effects that are uh, starting in indigestion, continuing in heart attacks, and continuing in cancer. And we don't need that. We need the forces of nature. We need our body. What I'm going to teach you about the eyes is how not to get macular degeneration, how not to get glaucoma, how not to need your glasses. My dear friends, this is time for revolution. We can't continue in the way that we went before, basically. Well, that's amazing. Plus, um, you know, on TV they they have advertisements for drugs. I can't believe. I just can't believe it. They say, "Ask your doctor for this," and then afterwards, it's like <laughs> all these side effects that that particular drug can have. It. I think this is on television. <laughs> Thank God they forced well, to show the side effects. Well, they keep you well. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, you know, well, that's one of the reasons I'm up. grateful to your show. Because your show, what's good about it, it has a nice spiritual effect to it. I mean, people should listen to something of value, like your show. Uh, you're interviewing very special people who are cutting edge. 
but you also give people a, a nice uh, mental and spiritual uplift. And I can't wait to see one day your show becoming mainstream media. It really has to be. But returning to my topic, I think that, again, what I want to say is that we can prevent nearsightedness by learning about the strength that we have within our eye. We can prevent farsightedness that comes in middle age by making the lens more flexible, by looking at a distance. We need to also develop our peripheral vision. And um, uh, audience at home can actually try an exercise. Like, for example, you can look straight and you can wave your hands to the side. And um, the peripheral vision, you can only see when something moves. Like, for example, our central vision is sciatic movement, means we look from point to point, but the peripheral vision, things move for us, like branches in a, in, in a forest or in the jungle. So as we wave our hands to the side, we look straight. Now close the right eye, and you can see how clear the left hand is. Close the left eye, you can see how clear the right hand is. And now you wave your hands. Now put them so far that you cannot even see the hands, but you can also sense them, only sense the movement. So you see something, but not the hands. Now close the right eye, and you can easily see the left eye hand. Close the left eye, and you can easily see the right hand without looking at them, and then open both eyes, and the movement is clearer. That is something you can do in an instant, and then you can understand our exercise. We put a small piece of paper between the eye, and that blocks the central vision, so we wave the hands to the side or uh, wands on the side, and we can see the peripheral vision, and we put a a bigger piece of paper and then even a bigger piece of paper. The more we block the periphery, I mean the center, the better we see the periphery. It's a great exercise. When we finish with that, the eyes are much more relaxed and it's much easier to see with them. Mm. You know, it's really interesting when I, for someone to do what you've done, you have this ability of really being able to feel the energies within your body and what to work with and and what what you know you've plus you've done it a long time you realize if you push one muscle it'll work another <laughs> that's, right. that's really awesome you know and um and Absolutely. being able to be around you you are able to transfer this to other people uh, it does work. You, you need know, to know I, how I've, powerful you yeah, are. I've, you need to know how powerful you are. You need to know that your body yeah. is stronger than any illness that you have faced. And it is a false belief that the illness is stronger than you. You are stronger than your illness. So people with any kind of illness can work on themselves and become exactly. better. Exactly. Not to give up. Exactly. Yes. I, I saw, you know, a kid from Hungary. I thought I would never see him again. I saw him first in Slovakia when I had a workshop there. He was very resistant to the treatment. But then he came from Hungary, very unresistant. He was four and a half years of age when I saw him first and five and a half years of age when I saw him second. With very little deterioration, he has a disease which is considered to be the worst in the world, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And it's the first time in my life that I heard that the pediatrician said, well, something must could be done for this kid. Because normally they learn nothing can be done. They learn all the theories of why it can be done. And we worked. And he, I know the parents didn't speak English. So they flew 
uh, a friend of them flew from the Midwest. She was already eight years in this country. And we worked together on the kid in the hot tub, in the, the pool. I want to tell you, this kid left walking much better. And the question is, the question is, um, how well will it, be, will it sustain? That's always a question because there is no research. But I can tell you that a girl who was five and a half with um, degenerative muscular dystrophy, it's not as bad as Duchenne, but it's bad enough. She couldn't, I had to put her on a table, or her father had to put her on a table because she couldn't anymore get up from sitting or climb upstairs. And I met her when she was nine. Her parents had to bring her to me to a hotel room. And the girl is dancing, swimming, uh, does ballet. It was just amazing. I said to the parents, what happened? They said, we changed our mind about her. Well, my dear friends, change your mind about yourselves. And don't simply think positive, act positive. That's the point. I know we, uh, somebody tells us, well, this is a terrible example, but somebody says you only have three months to live. The person dies in three mm-hmm. months because they were told that. Absolutely. So uh, and you know, um, there's a, a guy who came to me with a very rare optic nerve disease where the blood doesn't get into the, into the optic nerve, and he has an appointment with the doctor next week. I said, cancel it. The only thing he'll do is tell you you're going to get blind, so what's the point? And uh, and, and that's, that's one of the worst things that, that can happen. And then people sometimes want to use their difficulties to gain something, like... He's in a in a divorce process, so he wants to bring that to court. I said, "Listen, you're going to get into a mess. First of all, it's not going to work out for you. Second of all, you're going to get to a mess you're not going to get out of. Just don't think about your eyes as anything else, but something is going to recover. Because if you do anything else, you're not doing what it takes to improve your eyes. And the doctor has never told him not to strain his eyes. And as soon as he stopped." training you start to see better and but what i want to say is that there is so much negative reinforcement because they think they know but they don't they really don't exactly have a good joke well, it's, you, uh, it's really exciting uh, pardon me you want to hear a I, joke um, i just want to let sure <laughs> sure <laughs> all right what's the difference between yeah. god and a doctor What is the yeah. difference? God doesn't think he's a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> For me, no. I just, yeah. yeah. I, you know what, we just want to thank you for the empowerment that you bring to people. And um, thank you for always being with us. We re- really love having you with us, too. So for everybody out there listening, if they can't make it to the uh, bookstore, uh, be sure to pick up a copy of his newest book. And uh, we've been talking to Mira Schneider, and that's S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. And a look on his website, which is self-healing.org. And you can read about the book and his training and, and everything he's up to. So thank, thank you, you very much, both of us. you. Thanks. And by the way, the name of my newest book is Vision for Life. Vision for Life. 
great. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.